Let's pray. Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable now in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Journeys. Journeys, we all take them. We take physical journeys, don't we, to get from one place to another. We take emotional journeys as we ride that roller coaster of highs and lows. We take spiritual journeys as we explore and then perhaps commit to a life of faith. I don't know if you're a fan of the TV show Strictly Come Dancing. You'll know if you watch it that they're always talking about the contestant's journey as they learn to ballroom dance, some going from completely two left feet to being able to actually do it. And they use that word journey so often, it's now become shortened to the J word. And in Strictly Come Dancing, in that contest, each contestant has their own professional partner to guide them through this journey of learning how to dance with its highs, and its lows, its joys, and its many challenges. And when we're on a journey, it is good, isn't it, to have someone or something to guide you, even to go with you. So for me, when I'm on a physical journey in my car, I have to say, I am forever grateful for the invention of sat-nav. And that friendly, reassuring voice that tells me, number one, where I am and where I'm going. Although mine gets a little bit stressed if I take a wrong turning. You see, personally, I have absolutely no sense of direction. Just see me walking around here and you'll see it. But before sat-navs were invented... I found it really hard to, to actually go and take a journey to somewhere I didn't know. Even if I had a map, which of course as a girl I had to turn around the right way so I knew which way I was going, I frequently got lost and very stressed. And then having my sat-nav talk to me was a real godsend. I didn't even have to look at the map. So my sat-nav can tell me my current location, which is really helpful, believe me, when I'm somewhere new. And then I can program in my final destination. And as long as I've put in the right postcode, I can trust that it will get me there, step by step. And mine's also got something called waypoints. So I can program in places I need to stop at on the way, to that final destination. And one last very helpful feature is my past history list. Here, I can look back and see where I've been, press the button, and it'll take me there again. So without my sat-nav, my in-house guide, I would frequently be lost and extremely stressed. And yes, at times, I cry. So the reading today from Matthew 
describes one of those waypoints on Jesus' final journey into Jerusalem, a day that we've come to call Palm Sunday. And the reading starts with Jesus and his disciples on the road going up towards Jerusalem at a place called Bethphage. Now, up until now, of course, they've been walking. But for Jesus, this is obviously a planned waypoint on this journey. For he stops and sends two of his disciples off to a village up ahead. You see, he knows there's a key mode of transport waiting for him there in an obvious place because he says, go and at once you'll find a donkey and her colt up there. And the, uh, the disciples are to bring these to Jesus, and so they duly return with the animals. But why? Why a donkey and a colt? Why not a horse? Why now? Why at this waypoint? This waypoint for Jesus was one of his many, many earthly times in his earthly life where something specific that he says or does sees a fulfillment of one of the Hebrew scriptures. Scriptures that refer to the promised Messiah, the promised coming king. And one of those such waypoints was quite early on his ministry when he was at his local synagogue in Galilee. And you may know that at that point, Jesus stands up and reads aloud a passage from the prophet Isaiah, words about this promised Messiah one who will come and proclaim good news to the poor, set the captives free, give sight to the blind. And then Jesus puts the scroll down and tells everyone who's there, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is me, Jesus says, to those who would have ears to hear. And here in Matthew's gospel, At this point, on the way into Jerusalem for the last time, Jesus fulfills another Hebrew scripture, this time from Zechariah. And in chapter 9, we read this, See, your king comes to you, gentle, riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Your king comes to you. So at this waypoint in his journey... By sending for and then riding on a donkey with her colt, Jesus is publicly declaring that he is the coming king. And so that's what many in the crowd will see because many of them would have known this scripture. And of course, at this time as he's going up to Jerusalem, there would be huge crowds around because it's time for the annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem for Passover, that celebration of where God freed his people from the slavery in in Egypt and took them over the Red Sea to freedom. So this waypoint is a very, very public declaration of his kingship. And of course, the crowds go wild. They throw down their cloaks on the, th- on the road and they wave branches, which is something that is done to welcome kings and conquerors. But what sort of king do they think they're welcoming? 
Of course, we know the people are waiting for their Messiah to liberate them, to set them free. And in fact, the shouts that they give of Hosanna mean in Hebrew salvation and rescue. And their expectation is this Jesus will become a king who will rescue them from their Roman oppressors and establish God's kingdom. So many there are celebrating an imminent, physical, political victory, a freedom of force. No wonder they went wild in celebration. But we, of course, know that that wasn't Jesus' mission. His mission was spiritual, not political. He was on a save and rescue mission. He was coming as a conqueror. But his victory, of course, was going to be over sin and death and evil. And he would do this through agonizing suffering on a cross. Not a show of physical force, but of spiritual obedience. And of course, we know that a few days later, maybe they felt let down, maybe they felt deceived that this wasn't their expected rescuer. That same crowd are now going to be shouting, crucify, with equal passion and volume. There's a mismatch going on here between the expectations of the crowd and the real identity and purpose of this coming king. And this is a misunderstanding that only Jesus really knows. I wonder, when we look back through our past history, on our journey of faith, our journey of life, are there are times a bit like this, times when we personally have been misunderstood, where false expectations have been put on us, which we can't meet, so others feel that we've let them down, and maybe they've shown their disappointment to us in a very hurtful way. Jesus knows. Or maybe we have felt that need to hide our true selves, to behave as others expect of us, to conform to their expectations so that we can be acceptable. Yet deep inside, we want to shout out, can't you see? This is the real me. Jesus knows. Maybe there are times when actually we've gone along with the crowd and we've said and done things that now we regret and we just can't seem to forget. Maybe there are waypoints in our life that we're ashamed of and we really hope they'll never come to light. Jesus knows. And in that knowing, he never condemns us. In his great love, his desire is always, always to heal and to bring freedom from the things that have hurt us.
the things that we carry that weigh us down from our past history. And of course, in our journeys of faith, we're never alone. We're not without a guide or a comforter. We have his Holy Spirit. And sometimes God brings us unexpectedly to waypoints like this evening. A healing service where we can receive that healing and freedom through the presence and working of his Holy Spirit and finally find peace, find freedom. Now, I've been talking a lot, and memories may have been coming up unexpectedly. So I just want to take a short moment before I move on. So that if something has come up and stirred, this is a time you can just hold it before, before God. And we pray now in the quiet for that coming kingdom. Bless you. Bless you, my brother. Truth. Go. The time is here. The time is now. The time is here and the time is now to offer up those things that hold us. And yes. Maybe we do need to repent. Maybe we do need to forgive. So we just take a moment. Oh, Father, we thank you that even an interruption, an unexpected happening, can speak to us of your truth, that you are always here, always with us now. And so in this moment, we hold up to you anything that has come to mind from our past history. Can you, yeah, don't let him back in. Would you bring your healing and wholeness? Anything that has been stirred up. And in this moment, bring your peace. Come, Holy Spirit. For you are here now, in this place, bringing the peace of the Prince of Peace.
the Prince of Peace and the King of Kings. And just for a few moments, we're going to return back to that story of Jesus coming in, yes, as a conquering king, but as a suffering king, as a servant king. Because when Jesus went into that place, went into that very crowded city, Matthew tells us he made quite a stir. And there was a question on men's hearts, on women's hearts, on the hearts of those who had faith and the hearts of those who didn't. Who is this? Who is this Jesus? I guess some are curious. Some think they know. Some are really cross that Jesus is being honored in this way. And I guess that's a question we've all asked at times. Who is this Jesus? It might be a, quest, a question that you continually ask yourself as you find out more and more about who he is. Or maybe it's a question that you're asking because you still don't really know. So a good question is, who is Jesus to me? Is he your savior and king? Or are you undecided and still swayed by whichever crowd you happen to be in? And in your journey of faith, is your final destination programmed in eternity with the King of Kings? And if you're not sure, why not ask God that question during this week up to Easter? Who is Jesus to me? And trust that God will show you in a way that you'll understand. So here we are at the end of our Matthew reading, and here we are at the end of Lent. Tomorrow starts Holy Week. And we might be tempted to just trip over, dash on to, Easter Sunday, not dwell on the awfulness, the agony, the betrayal of this final journey to the cross. To skip over it quickly and get to the exciting celebration of Easter Sunday, of his resurrection and victory over sin and death and evil. But this is life. This is Jesus's life. God himself came here to live life as one of us. So he knows our human condition. He knows our human experience and he knows our human suffering. We're reminded this week that's coming up that Jesus knows what it's like to be in extreme physical pain. He knows what it's like to feel emotional pain, sorrow, rejection, betrayal, abandonment, false accusation. And on the cross, Jesus knows the pain of feeling that spiritual separation for the first time from his heavenly father because of sin. 
our sin. So Jesus knows our past history. He knows everything that's happened at those waypoints. And he knows what we still feel and hold on to today. Things that we feel guilty for. That make us want to hide who we are. But he not only knows, he offers healing, wholeness, freedom. And he offers that to us every day, and he's offering this to us this evening. Jesus came to save and heal. And through his Holy Spirit, he continues to save and heal. And he's here now by his Holy Spirit to save and heal. So tonight, are we able to hold out to him our need so he can bring healing and freedom in his time, his way? So we're moving now towards a time of quiet where we will do just that. We will hold up our needs to the God who knows, to the God who has lived our life, and ask for him to come and save and heal. And so we stay seated as we sing together, be still and know that I am God.